let's go on. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Hello, everyone. It looks like our um, introduction is not playing again for some reason. I'm going to hit week. it. Let's hope this does not end the episode like it did the other day. Hold on. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Inclusive Class Podcast, the weekly podcast for teachers, parents, and communities who envision an education system where all students are treated equal. Together with top experts in the field of inclusive education, we offer tips, advice, and solutions for including students of all abilities in today's classroom. Now, here are your hosts, Nicole Eredix and Terry Morrow. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on the Inclusive Class Podcast. I'm Nicole Eredix, and I'm one of your hosts for the show. I'm a parent, teacher, and creator of the online resource, The Inclusive Class. This season, we are excited to bring you this new and improved version of The Inclusive Class podcast, which will include a weekly virtual roundtable discussion with a panel of notable expert guests, including my co-host, <laughs> Terry Morrow. <laughs> Do you like that, Terry? <laughs> so my peevishness last week is now being rewarded. Okay. <laughs> How are you, Terry? <laughs> I'm fine. Oh, I'm Terry Mora. I'm the About.com uh, expert on parenting special needs at specialchildren.about.com and also the author of 50 Ways to Support Your Child's Special Education. And I'm the parent of two young adults with special needs. Uh, this week at our roundtable, we have Francis Stetson and Carolyn Coyle. I assume that's you that just dialed in, Carolyn. Are you with us now? Hello? Well, Looks like she's gone. So apparently Carolyn is not with us at the moment, but hopefully we'll be dialing in again. Uh, Francis is president of Stetson & Associates, an educational firm specializing in supporting inclusive practice as well. She is the executive director for the Inclusive Schools Network. And Carolyn has worked in the field of education for over 30 years as a teacher, specialist, author, and consultant. Welcome, and what has everybody been up to? Francis, what's going on with you? Well, this is an exciting time for us. Uh, I hope all of you have accessed the Inclusive Schools Network, uh, our website, uh, and and one of and and, it's, and I'm so excited because we're leading up to the annual Inclusive Schools Week. So mark this on your calendar, mm. December first yes. through the fifth. And uh, one of the things that's kind of surprised me and it pleased me so much is that each year during Inclusive Schools Week. Um, we have individuals from every country around the globe that logs in. It's so exciting. Oh, wow. And Great. I wanted to share with you quickly that our year's this year's theme is inclusive education, colon, one school community. So if you'll go there, and if I could put a little quick plug in, there's a lot of uh, free downloadables to provide parents and teachers with ideas for how to celebrate Inclusive mm-hmm. Schools Week, and it varies by grade and approach. And I think you'll, I think you'll really, um, really enjoy some of the things that, you, and ideas that things that you can do to celebrate and bring, I think, inclusive education much more to the forefront in the school community and in the community at large. Wonderful. Yeah. That sounds great. Exciting. Well, yeah. I and I. I would add one more thing. I don't add this. I just uh, finished uh, two uh, two two uh, distance learning opportunities through the U.S. De- Department of Ed, uh, training parents and educators in Mongolia. 
It was oh, so wow. great to see. And I'm going to say they were really, they're quite into inclusion in Mongolia and doing a lot of innovative things in terms of in-class support. They're still struggling with some of the basics of the rights and guarantees for children. But it's mm-hmm. very impressive. We hope to follow them in the in the next months and years to come. Wow. Sounds like a lot of great initiatives over there. That's great. Yeah. Wonderful. And um, t- I guess, Terry, what about you? What are you up to this Carolyn week? Carolyn still hasn't, hasn't dialed back in. We're having some technical difficulties. This is our, our theme from week to week, technical difficulties. Oh, um, I think blog talk is going <laughs> to be a... <laughs> I hate to follow Frances with all her really exciting blog. news because... I've really not got anything all that spectacular going on. It's trying to survive the the first really big homework dump dump of the college semester for my son, who even as we speak is sitting doing math, just not far away from me. And uh, also, I uh, as as he's waving by the way. Um, <laughs> as as difficult as all that is, I'm also starting to get the first laments of the new school year from some friends who are dealing with. You know, IEP foolishness and just school decisions being made that defy logic and understanding. And it's oh gosh, I remember when that was when that was the way I spent my September and October, (laughs) wondering when the next shoe was going to drop and when the thing was going to fall apart and when they were going to suggest ridiculous solutions for simply solved problems. And man, am I glad not to be doing that anymore. So you know, I guess I'm doing my little little you know, out-of-school happy dance again and, and commiserating with those friends and trying to help them strategize some things to do. But uh, this is the time of year when, uh, you know, the wheels start coming off the bus and, and stuff starts falling apart. And as the serious work of school gets started, you start to see where, you know, the cracks in the carefully made foundation you have created are. So mm-hmm, <laughs> my mm-hmm. my sympathies exactly. with all the parents who are dealing with this now. It only gets worse between now and Christmas, so you have my sympathies. And Nicole, what's going yeah. on with you? Uh this week I um it was a busy week, but um a good week. I did a second webinar with uh Brooks Publishing yeah. and uh Dr. Whitney Rapp, who's fabulous by the way. I I can't believe we hadn't come across Whitney um, when we were doing the one-on-one interviews. She would have been fabulous to have as a guest on the show, but she talked about uh, supporting behavior in the inclusive class, and she was just fantastic with her practical tips and ideas and, um, you know, the reason behind uh, sort of behavior, you know, and supporting behavior theory and, you know, getting to the root of the problem and just a wonderful presentation. Let me interrupt you for just a moment, Nicole. Let me just make sure. Carolyn, is that you who just came in? Carolyn, are you with us? Well, I just brought a call in, but it sounds like she can't hear us. Wow. So <clears throat> the technical difficulties continue. Well, I think Carolyn, you can hear on the chopping block. Canyon. <laughs> <laughs> I think Nicole has a plan to bring you in, but uh, yeah. in the meantime, I'm sorry, Nicole. Continue with what you were saying. Yeah. No. No worries. No you. worries. <laughs> um, yeah, I just wanted to wrap up by saying that was a fantastic webinar, and it should be up for viewing uh, today, I believe, if you go to the brookspublishing.com website and have a look under, um, I think it's under resources, or you can even just search it, Inclusive Education Webinar, and you'll find it there. And then um, other than that, I've been working on some new content for my website, The Inclusive Class, and on a personal note, I took my very first tennis lesson this week. So I'm very proud of myself (laughs) that I am. Congratulations. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Something totally unrelated to inclusive education. (laughs) 
doing <laughs> something for yourself. Wow. I did something for myself. <laughs> so that's my big exciting week and um and then of course this podcast which I've been looking forward to because uh both Francis and Carolyn have been past guests on our uh shows before and, and Francis was on a round table with us oh gosh, over a year ago and I'm so excited that um they're coming back and joining us on a on a somewhat regular basis to talk about inclusion at our virtual roundtable. And this week we are going to be talking about something that I know that they both know very well, and uh, that is the elements of an inclusive class. And, you know, this is is for teachers as much as it is for parents, and that's basically what does an inclusive class need in order to um, be inclusive? I mean, there's some physical elements, there's some philosophical elements to it, um, you know, is it is it you know a combination of you know curriculum, um, you know attitudes? Basically, what are the elements of an inclusive class? And um, you know, I want to hear what what you all have to say. So why don't we get started with Francis? Francis, can you tell us what your thoughts are on that? Sure. One of the things that I think you, I start with every time in my head is to think: Has the principal? Um, created in that school a common vision for what inclusive practices are? Has this principle made it clear to every teacher that they're responsible for every Mm -hmm. single student? And I I think that's one of our challenges right now is that we don't have consistently, we do not have shared ownership across all the teachers for all of our students so that you know, a student can have a, a great experience being in, included in one classroom and for the next class period a very bad experience because that teacher still has one that may, perhaps doesn't have the skills but also simply philosophically feels this is a special education child and this child needs to go down the hall. So right. I think that's one of the biggest challenges is to get that school-wide uh, understanding mm-hmm. so that those individual classrooms can function really consistently. It's really an equity yeah. issue, you know, when you think about it. For children, uh, they should be, have the same access to quality uh, inclusion and uh, and academic support throughout the entire day. So I, I mm-hmm. kind of start with that one so that, and that really is easier than for, for teachers to have that uh, sense of, of ownership. Um, Mm -hmm. I think one thing that I am more and more, I've always understood it clearly and been a real um, proponent of it naturally. It's like being uh, for mom and apple pie. But the active engagement of parents in decision-making, in improving services to me at the school level and then between the parent and the teacher uh, so Mm -hmm. that we remember that the child is, a member of a family first (laughs) and then a member of the school. So that uh, I think sometimes we try to, I see over and over, and I know we're we're pressed for time in schools like never before, but I do see us making decisions sometimes that really needed that parent input and not only input Mm -hmm. but help in making the decisions. And I I really kind of think as we look in the next few years, I'm I'm keeping my fingers crossed that we're going to see um a, a much more authentic partnership between the parents yeah. and the schools um and parent and teachers being much more I think com- com- comfortable talking to parents and and seeing them as partners. So I I think that's our next frontier. It was our first frontier yeah. And we're still working on it, as you, <laughs> as you commented, Terry. So yeah. we'll get it done, well, but we're all going to have to focus. 
It's part of the whole thing you said about it, it having to be a clear, envision, a clear vision throughout the entire school, and it has to come from the principal on down. You know, schools I've been in where the communication has been difficult has been because the principal was was sending that message that not to exactly. communicate with parents. And, exactly. You know, and so, I, there was one classroom where every every note I sent in, even just to ask if I could send in cupcakes for my daughter's birthday, had to go through the principal before the teacher could respond. So that sort of oh. thing really oh. <laughs> well so was, I, I, I was on the on the persona non grata list that year but still well, yeah and you know, that's and think sort of what thing that, that communicates from the principal down exactly yeah so it's, it's part exactly. of making it communicates everybody such included. a negative message yes. for the family and for the child <laughs> it and, sure does. and everything you were labeled tnt i think huh <laughs> yeah 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 that was and not so, a good year so one of the uh, one my third thing i'd, I'd want to talk about and i know Parents, uh, the teachers in the in the group will go yes, yes, yes. Parents, I think, have not a cl- sometimes not a clue and need to bring this up. There's something that goes on behind the scheduling of classes with the supports being in the right place at the right time for their child. And mm-hmm. you know, we sit in individual IEP meetings, but but parents, I think, rarely if ever are part of the 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 session that the principals and the teachers hold that say, okay, we have this collection of IEPs. Now how do we allocate the staff to provide Mm -hmm. the support that is promised in those IEPs at the right time, in the right place, and in the right way? And so one of the things that I I think we all need to keep pushing for, and I think if if parents added their voices to it, it would be really great, is that (laughs) If the school creates the master schedule before yeah. looking at the needs of kids with with an IEP with support, uh-huh. then all we're doing we're trying to we we make too many compromises. Well, that didn't really yes. fit, so we'll give her this instead of that, or we yes. could add this parent instead of this teacher, or maybe yes. she doesn't need the hour; she can have forty five minutes. So. Um, if you, <laughs> if you, and of course, yes. we, legally we can't do that. But uh, one yeah. of the things that yeah. I hope we all promote, and principals who do this are just on my hit parade, and more mm-hmm. and more principals are understanding they have to, and that's creating yeah. a full the master schedule after yes. they have slotted in the ch- children who have IEPs so that their services are exactly yeah. what's reflected in the IEP. I and you that quickly really interrupt. Terry, are you able to hear me? Yes. I can hear you. Carolyn, are you with us? I can hear you all now. Yay. Yay. Welcome, (laughs) Carolyn. (laughs) I feel like I've missed so much already. (laughs) (laughs) Our behind-the-scenes rubber band MacGyver fix works, so. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we we did. We we had duct tape. It was really good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now is it time for Carolyn to... I just want to say very quickly on Francis's point, um, because yeah. this is a, a pet peeve of mine also, is that what would be really cool is if all that planning could be done, like, earlier than a week before school starts. Because what happens in mm-hmm. our district is they put together the schedule that doesn't keep the cake, all the IEPs in mind, like, a week before school starts. So then you realize there's a problem once school has already started, and then you have to make shifts once school has already started so the 
everybody is disrupted. And then the changes right. tend to be like, okay, well, we'll just change te- this teacher from this classroom to the other. So huge amounts of kids are affected. Or it's impossible to change a schedule, you know. <laughs> and and this is all going on once the school year has started. If I, it's never mm-hmm. been, I've never been able to understand why you can't do that in June and then during the summer look to see if there's a problem and figure that stuff all out. So when school starts, Everybody's on the same page. So well, it and takes that's a, that's, district yeah. organization also. Well, this, yeah, this is Carolyn, and I just want to mm-hmm. echo an agreement on that. It seems like so many uh, problems that have to do with differentiation, inclusion, looking at individual student needs, it always come yeah. back, comes back to, well, you know, the schedule. You know, and then, yes. then there's this whole other <laughs> line of stuff that people are going to say, but it's like it's like in a way we're being run by the schedule, and I don't know if yes. that has to do with funding uh, and FTE and you know those kind of things, but it seems it, it just seems to me in in any educational program, if you look at the needs of the kids first. And then you plan yes. the program, and then you plan the schedule. But we always do yes. it in the reverse. We do mm-hmm. the schedule, mm-hmm. and then the, the program, and then oh, we have these kids. Yes. Well, what are we going to do with them? But you, you know, know and it, what's it, wonderful it, about this is it's an easy reverse. fix. It's an easy mm-hmm. fix yeah. to flip this order. It really is. Yeah. And yeah. once principals and their staff do it, they don't ever want to do it any other way because. <laughs> As you were saying, part of our danger here is they're losing good instructional time. We mm-hmm. And it's awful to take a yep. child and say, well, we're moving you out of this classroom and putting yeah. you somewhere else. So they have to start with a new class. That's just not acceptable. Mm-hmm. So and you're it, also it's creating a situation. Yeah, you're creating a situation that mm-hmm. draws negative attention to the uh, students in inclusion. You know, that mm-hmm. makes them look different, that disrupts their schedule or disrupts other people's schedule because of them. And it just right. is not the way you want to start a school year. Carolyn, did you have Mm-mm. anything else to add to um, the topic that we've been talking about? Um, well, in that I have no idea what you've said so far. <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I have some things, that, uh, but I don't know if it's going to be adding or re- reiterating. Carolyn, I'll tell you what, but, we um, skipped over. We skipped for you. Yours have not been discussed at all so that you there can you go. start fresh. <laughs> okay. Well, should I talk a little bit about what my work has been about, um, or, or should I just skip to the characteristics of an inclusive classroom, do you think? Yeah. Why don't you talk about that? We gave a little bit of introduction, and then the next time you're on the program, okay. we'll make sure that you have time to talk about what you've been doing. No no problem. <laughs> that's, that's, quite a, that's quite a right anyway. Um, well, it's interesting because the inclusive school really drives the inclusive classroom. In in other words, Mm -hmm. you have to have a school where the philosophy is all kids are our kids. I mean, you you just you have to have that to begin with. But let's go down to the classroom level, and let's say that you're in a school where there is, and I'm just going to put quotes around this, an inclusion teacher. A lot of times that's that's (laughs) kind of the label. In other words, you know, there, there can be two teachers in the same classroom, one of whom would be the general ed teacher and the other would be the inclusion teacher. Now, not all inclusion classrooms even look like that, but, but let's start there. Let's, let's say that that's the situation. Mm-hmm. And then I'll give a, a real negative example that I've seen, and then I'll give a real positive example. The negative example would be the inclusion teacher is responsible for running 
into like eight different classrooms in in a day, mm-hmm. you know. And so the inclusion uh, teacher comes in, and maybe she's got forty five minutes in one classroom, but she hasn't even talked to the teacher. So in a way, she sits there trying to catch on to what's going on in the classroom. And I look at that and I go, you're so, you're just wasting, you know, a resource that that is that is there. So mm-hmm. in a sense. Mm-hmm. The inclusion teacher almost becomes like another student in the classroom just trying to figure out what's going on. But, of course, he or she has to then move within, you know, 45 minutes to go to another classroom where they don't know what's going on. Now, that's my negative example. Here's here's Mm -hmm. my really positive example. Positive example, the general ed teacher and the inclusion teacher have a planning time together sometime before the actual instruction takes place. And I would love to have this on a daily basis, but even if it's on a weekly basis where they sit down and they say, okay, so what are, what are we planning for next week? You know, what are the units? What are the skills? Mm-hmm. What are the standards? What, what, whatever it is. And how can we best work this in a classroom setting? Uh, the inclusion teacher might say, well, you know, there, there are three um, – special needs students that, you know, kind of need these skills. And maybe the general ed teacher would say, well, you know, there are four others that could really benefit from some, mm-hmm. you know, small group instruction that you're going to be doing at this time. In other words, they map out their plan. So then when it happens, everybody knows what's going on. And maybe they even say, well, you know, there are a couple of special needs kids that don't need this instruction at all. So, why aren't they, you know, with you and what you're doing, mm-hmm. and then I'll take these other, and so that it's a mix, and then you've just you've got yeah. this other resource that you know is amazing. So that's kind of the worst case versus the best case mm-hmm. scenario, and I've actually seen both of those happen. Yeah. Um, but without that common planning time that I know probably has already been talked about in terms of school structure, if it's like, well, it would be nice if I could talk to this you know, fourth grade teacher, but, you know, she and I, we don't even have lunch together, much less, you know, any time to talk. And so I'm just walking in the classroom sort of like. If if I could add to that point. Go ahead. um, uh, That goes, that actually takes us back to the master schedule. Because one Mm -hmm. of the things we need to do better with is we need to not assign a poor special ed teacher across eight <laughs> very different classrooms and eight very yeah. different subjects. Oh, yeah. And so if we oh, yeah. assi- assign our special ed teachers to um, the math de- one to the math department and one to if, – if we have the staffing for it or mm-hmm. one to just right. two grade levels, then back to the master schedule when I am assigning the, let's say, the, the, math, the math teacher's planning time, I can also put that special ed teacher – uh, in or the inclusion teacher, as you called her, uh, in that plan, having giving her or him that common planning time. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. Mm-hmm. It goes back to really good organization and mm-hmm. thought prior. Exactly. And be able to have that. I, well, mm-hmm. at, it's Nicole here. I just want yeah, to and, quickly um, inter, inter. No, you are. I I totally totally agree with that. And the interesting thing is, the schools that tend to do inclusion right tend to have a common planning time, for example, for the second grade teachers or for the math teachers. You know, we assume that, well, that's in place. In in many areas, even that part isn't in place, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So and sometimes when I go to do uh, differentiation workshops, 
and maybe they'll say, you know, you're going to meet with the first grade from this time to this time and the second grade. To that. And, oh, between 2.30 and 3, then you'll have the special ed teachers. I'm like, well, why can't I have them, you know, with some of the grade levels that they're working with? Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's not even in thought process. And I just want to briefly, before our show wraps up, I can't believe how fast it's gone by, but um, I wanted to make sure that that I brought up uh, something else, too, in terms of having an inclusive classroom because we've talked about scheduling and um, making sure that there's, you know, how to use the resources that you have. And for me, uh, one of the main elements of an inclusive classroom is the attitude, and that's the attitude of the teacher because the teacher sets the tone in that classroom, is the model for the other kids, the way they treat one another, the way they value and respect one another. Um, in fact, I think I would go as far as to say that you need to have a, a some type of social-emotional uh, character development program in that classroom where you're talking about including, you're talking about respecting values and, and one another. Um, you're having class meetings. You're emphasizing friendships. I think that's a huge part of inclusive yes, classroom. You cannot, just have, you cannot have academic curriculum alone. That's not going to work. Um, you need to yeah. encourage those kids to be uh, members of their class community and their school community. And I think for that's definitely one of the foundations that teachers have to have. I mean, they'll say, you know, well, the, you know, the teacher has an inclusive class or an inclusive program, but the kids still aren't valuing and respecting one another and they're still not including one another. Well, I think there's a huge part missing when you hear that. And that yeah. is that, um, yeah. that emphasis, and there's time spent on that um, social and emotional development. So I just, yeah, I really feel strongly about that. Yeah. Has been over yeah. Years. You know, years years ago, I, I'm talking maybe 15 or 20 years ago, I coordinated a program that was called The Kids on the Block, and it was a puppet show that had kids with all kinds of various disabilities, problems, needs, whatever. But you, we took them into schools and we had discussions, and it was the whole social-emotional thing. Mm-hmm. And the kids who saw those puppet shows then – Tended to do so much better in an inclusive classroom mm-hmm. than kids with that they had no background at all as to what was going on, you know. And um, I mean, I'm sure that program is is long since gone, but it it worked exactly the way that yeah. you're talking about yeah. in terms of that social emotional piece. Yeah, Terry, did you have anything to add? I don't know if you got your yeah. your piece in while uh, we were talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did get kind of get in uh, some things in earlier there. I mean, sorry, it's really we were difficult for phone, parents. <laughs> it's really difficult for parents because we can hear about all these elements of an inclusive classroom, but we really don't have a lot of power to make sure they get put or even to know whether they're there or not. I mean, you may be told in an IEP your child will have an inclusion teacher, and you ask your child, is there an inclusion teacher, and they say, yeah, Miss so-and-so is there. But you don't know that Miss so-and-so is running through ten different classrooms. You, yep. know, you just assume that it's what you yep. you would think of as. Uh, it's it's really difficult as a parent. This is why I always recommend the parents volunteer in the school because that's how you find out. <laughs> you notice her mm-hmm. running with a cart across the <laughs> school and you say, why is she not in my kid's classroom? <laughs> but um, – Oh, I see these poor women. But, uh, you know, so that's always a good thing. But also, you know, make yourself a part of the inclusive classroom, not even just by volunteering in the school, but by making sure that your child is um, as ready to participate as possible. Everything Mm -hmm. from creating a morning routine that gets your kid ready to actually learn 
to considering whether the bus ride causes a problem in the morning that you can maybe do something about, in, uh, to making sure your child has the homework, go through the backpack in the morning, have a folder for the homework, make sure the homework is there, coordinate with the teacher that that's where the homework is going to be. Those are things that you can control. You can get some textbooks home so that you can keep track of what um, your your child is doing and reinforce mm-hmm. things, uh, mm-hmm. you know, take the homework Good seriously idea. and do Good that. Idea. Anything that you can do at home that makes your child ready to learn in the most inclusive way possible will be a useful element mm-hmm. of an inclusive class. If your child needs something to not fidget, ask the teacher if you can send it in. Don't wait for somebody to order it and take six months yeah. to get it. Yeah. Just go ahead and send it in. Um, you know, communicate yeah. with the teacher in whatever yeah. way the teacher feels comfortable. Uh, you know, I have like mm-hmm. on my a website a free behavior chart that you can just. I used to print it out on Monday, put it in the folder. The teacher just had to check a few things off. I took responsibility for providing it rather than the school having to provide it. So uh, mm-hmm. those are all things that you can think about doing as a parent that will make sure that your child is as uh, capable an element of that classroom as can be. And then, mm-hmm. unfortunately, you don't have a lot of control about what happens from there. But those things you can control. Yes. Um, and, you know, I just would like to echo that those suggestions are good suggestions for almost any parent. Oh, yeah, Whether absolutely. your child has an IEP or not. I mean, what you've just said, mm-hmm. I just want to go, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, so that's really, really true for, you know, good suggestions for, for all parents. Yeah. Yeah. And Francis, well, do you have yeah. anything to add at the last minute? Well, actually, oh, no, we I, have about I, 50 seconds left, so no, I'm going to wrap it up. Say no, I've enjoyed it. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's time to wrap Next up. Next time, we have to continue this conversation because we just did not have nearly enough time. Uh, no. I'd like to thank our guests for the discussion, our listeners for tuning in. Please join us again next week when our topic will be including students beyond the classroom, which is one of my big things. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on Facebook or look for us on Twitter. We're Nicole Tweets under exclusives underscore class. I am at Mamatude. Uh, Carolyn can be reached on her website at www.carolyncoil.com and Twitter, Caroline Coil. And you can learn more about Francis's work at www.inclusiveschoolsnetwork.org. And finally, you can download our past podcasts for free on Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. Goodbye, everybody, and have a great week. Goodbye.